Good morning, everybody. Can I add my welcome to Sarah's? It's, it's brilliant to have you with us, uh, particularly if this is your first time. We want to extend a particular welcome to you. Uh, my name is Tim Chilvers, one of the leaders here at Riverside. And uh, right now, if you don't know, there's also another gathering meeting over in Moseley as well. Uh, Riverside is a, is a church made up of several different gatherings. Uh, there's Bourneville here on a Sunday, and then there's two over in Moseley, and then there's also our Word of Hands community as well uh, for those that are deaf and hard of hearing uh, uh, gathering in British Sign Language. Uh, well, as we kick off uh, a new series today, what I'd love us to do as we begin, here in the UK, we have a saying, somebody is the salt of the earth. What I want you to do uh, is just with the person you came with or someone near about you, to think who would you describe that you know is somebody as the salt of the earth, and then talk with that person that you came with or neighbor, what is it about them that makes them the salt of the earth? If you don't understand the saying, salt of the earth, ask somebody what on earth does that mean, all right? So who in your world that you know of would you describe, they're the salt of the earth, and then discuss with the person around you, what is it about them that makes them that for you? Okay, well do carry those conversations on afterwards. It, it may be, it may be that, that you, the person that you were sat next to said, I think you are. Uh, but it, do carry those conversations on afterwards because it's interesting uh, what we mean by that saying. Today we're beginning a series called Monday Means. And in this series it's all about what a difference following Jesus makes for your Monday. So early in the year, we had a series called Sunday Means, which was all about the values, what is it distinctive about Riverside. And this series is all about what a difference being a follower of Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, should make throughout the week on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and, and so on. And so we're aiming to be quite practical. Uh, and today, we're thinking what it means to be referred to as seasoned with salt. That's the title of this talk. Because in truth, most of us, if we're Christians, spend most of our time not in church, not with Christian friends. Most of us spend time away from church. And so what does it mean to be salt? And we're going to read three passages that are kind of well-known, very short passages where Jesus talks about followers of Christ being salt of the earth. So can we have them on the screen? The first one is this, Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. Let's read this. And as we read these three different passages, note the slight differences. So this is Jesus at the end, uh, in the middle of his Sermon on the Mount, talking to his disciples. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Then we go to the next passage, which is uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 50. Very similar words, but subtle differences, you'll see. Mark chapter 9. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. And then the final one is Luke chapter 14, verses 34 to 35. 
Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure heap. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So if we are followers of Jesus, you are the salt of the earth. So those descriptions that you were describing about the person that you have in your mind, who are the salt of the earth, according to Jesus, if you follow Christ, you are the salt of the earth. And we're gonna very briefly look at three aspects. What does salt do? What a salty life therefore might look like? And what happens when a life stops being salty? Three very, very simple questions. So the, uh, and we're gonna, we're gonna focus on those passages very simply. But before we do that, we're gonna watch a short video. This, in contemporary terms, is what salt does in our society. Let's watch this video. So what does salt do? Salt, if you didn't know, is a very, very valuable commodity. But we simply forget it because we have it on our shelves, we have it in our kitchens, we use it all around. It is a billion dollar business and only 6% of the global salt industry is for humans, interestingly. It's used in healthcare, food, medicine, farming, religion, chemical industries, on and on and on. It's one of the oldest trading commodities in the world. In the Roman Empire, it was known sometimes that soldiers were paid in salt rather than money. It was that valuable. And in our culture, it's easy to forget quite how important it was in the ancient world. In Jesus' time, it was primarily used in three ways. It was used as a fertilizer in soil to kill the weeds. It was used as a preservative for food to make it last longer in a culture of no refrigeration. And of course, it was used as flavoring. But flavoring was only a later thing. And so already, therefore, when we think of those three things, getting rid of the bad stuff, killing off the weeds, preserving the good stuff, and being a helpful flavor, we begin to build a picture of what it might mean when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Several things. Do you notice, first of all, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, not you ought to be the salt of the earth. He says to his followers, you're the salt of the earth, you are. And I want to say that, but it's worth dwelling on that because it could be easy for us to reflect on this passage and leave with a real heavy heart about how we need to do more. And for some of us, we feel bad enough about ourselves already in truth, none of us are as salty as we might be. We can all have a bit more tang. We can all be more distinctive. And I want to encourage those who have come this morning who are overwhelmed with life and to be honest, are struggling to keep their head above water, to not forget the truth that if you follow Jesus, you are the salt of the earth. Not just you ought to be, you are and you don't know the impact that you are making already. People may be looking at you with your struggles, with you trying to keep your head above water, and know that you follow Jesus and you are making a massive difference even you don't know about it. Time and time and time again, we hear stories of people who are going through really difficult trials and you hear of people looking in on their trials 
and they're bowled over by what their life looks like because they simply trust in Christ. So be encouraged, you are the salt of the earth. And as a result of being the salt of the earth, you see the difference it makes in the earth. And you notice it's the salt of the earth, not just salts of some parts of the earth, salt of the church or salt of the good bits of society or salt of just the bad bits of society or salt of the nice bits of society or whatever. You're the salt of the earth. As the psalmist reminds us, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And therefore his people are making a difference throughout the earth, fertilizing, getting rid of this bad stuff, preserving the good stuff and flavoring it with Christ. Think of people like Wilberforce, making a massive difference. And we forget, we look back at those times where he fought hard to abolish slavery. And we think it was done in an instant. It took him decades and he nearly gave up several times and died not seeing the fullness of what he wanted to do. And yet we see the benefits of it. There was a man who was the salt of the earth. But we see it in small ways too, don't we? I think of Riverside Performing Arts here at Riverside. Team that goes into schools and showing shows and all about what it means to have good self-esteem or being careful in relationships, being salt of the earth. I think of Riverside Money Advice, one by one, helping people with debt, helping people just get on the right framework with their money. I think of Real Riverside, the football team, praying before they kick off. The salt of the earth, being slightly distinctive. I think of stay and play, just running a slightly different type of toddler group, but not just Riverside activities here in church, but you as Riversiders. I heard a story just recently of a guy in his workplace, a Riversider, who was being asked to do something by his boss, kind of bad-mouthing another colleague, and if he did it, it would have done well for him in his career. He would have been looked upon favorably by his boss, but because he follows Jesus, he said, no, I'm the salt of the earth, I want to be different, and so he didn't, he went against his boss being distinctive. So can I ask you a question? How distinctive am I? How distinctive are you? What is the good stuff that you're lifting up? What is the bad stuff that you're avoiding, that you're trying to get rid of? What's the flavor that you bring to your workplace, to your family, to your neighborhood, to your street? your friendship group so that's what salt does it fertilizes gets rid of bad stuff it preserves enhancing good stuff and flavoring it so secondly what does a salty life actually look like then what does it look like in practice and I think there's something very obvious here which in our British culture we forget uh, the kind of no-brainer comment about this is that it really clearly shows that faith is never private we live in a culture where we say, my faith, what I believe is private and therefore what I do in public is different to what I believe. Well, Jesus here is saying you can't separate the two out. You are the salt of the earth. What you believe, the way you follow me will have an impact. Uh, my brother is a dentist. And when he was training to be a dentist in London, uh, one of his uh, lecturers was trying to say that some people hate dentists and it's because of what they believe. You know, your beliefs affect your actions. So therefore, if you're terrified of your dentist, it's because of something you believe about them, that they're gonna hurt you or whatever. And he used an illustration by saying, right, who here knows the national speed limit of 30 miles an hour? 
Everybody put their hand up. And then he said, who never breaks that 30 mile an hour speed limit? One person put their hand up. The lecturer asked him, why don't you break the, the 30 mile an hour speed limit? And he said, because somebody I know was killed in a built up area and so therefore I know it's dangerous. And because I'm a Christian, I believe it's important to obey the law of the land and therefore I never break the speed limit. My brother, who is also a Christian, all his friends said, you're a Christian, aren't you? Why don't you put your hand up? The point being, what we believe comes out in practice. And therefore, every time I break the speed limit, it's because I believe at that moment I'm going to be okay, that I'm not going to be able to hurt somebody. I'm going to be able to stop in time. It's simple. Faith comes out in action. And so therefore, what we believe will come out in how we live. You are the salt of the earth. Your faith will live itself out in public, whether it be in your family or your friends or your workplace. And so what does that actually look like? Well, did you notice some differences between the verses we read? The Mark passage says these words. Let me read it to you again. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. So the emphasis, one of the emphasis that Marx make, makes is you are salty by the way you treat other people, particularly other Christians. If you're at loggerheads with other Christians, then what on earth distinctive is about that for the people outside the church? Be at peace with each other, he says, because Christ brought us peace with his father. So we won't make a difference in the world if we're always squabbling with each other, says Christ. If you want to be salt of the earth, the unity that we live out shows that. And the truth is, one of the brilliant things about Riverside is that that is the case. Time and time again, we hear of people coming in to the community here at Bourneville and Mosley and, and the Word of Hands community and just being bowled over by the love that is shown. The community groups just doing brilliant things together. Friendship as a family. That in itself is being the salt of the earth. So that's the first thing it might make. So is there anyone that you know you're slightly at loggerheads with? If you are, Jesus says you're being slightly less salty. <laughs> or what other aspects? Well, did you notice something about the Luke passage? The Luke passage if you know your Bible, comes just before, literally the verse before, Jesus tells the three amazing stories in Luke chapter 15 about the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son, the prodigal son. And that passage is all about Jesus teaching the religious leaders of the day, you think you're impressive, but let me tell you what the gospel is really about. It's grace for the sinner. And I can't help wondering if the reason Luke puts this passage about salt just before that is because of the people listening in would think I am being salt. I am impressive. I am better than these others. And Jesus is saying, watch out for grace. Watch out for grace. Let me read to you a passage from the book of Colossians. You may know it. Paul says these words to the church. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, 
so that you may know how to answer everyone. Do you see that? Grace is, if you like, in contrast a little bit with salt, kind of. Grace, we know. Salt, what does that mean? I think what Paul is saying is, in our relationships, in your conversation, speak words of truth, salt, even if it's painful, and do it with grace, knowing that you are no better or no different from the other person. And I think the same is true for us as the church. We are called to preserve the good, fighting against the bad, but we never do it in a way that says, I've got it sorted. This is not moralism that Jesus is preaching. The distinctiveness is one of gospel. So let me ask you a question. I'm gonna take a minute to pause. And in that moment, think through your day tomorrow. What are you doing tomorrow? What appointments do you have? What conversations do you know you will have? Who will you meet with? Who do you need to speak to? Who do you need to not speak to? And as you think through your day, ask yourself, what does it mean to be salt in that situation? To preserve the good, to get rid of the bad, to be a flavor of Christ in it. So let's be still for a moment and just think about your day. And then I'll ask you some questions in the stillness. So what appointment do you have tomorrow where you have an opportunity to bring a flavor of Jesus? What opportunity do you have tomorrow to really bring out the good? What opportunity do you have tomorrow to protect or to get rid of the bad? What opportunity do you have tomorrow to speak with words of salt and truth and with words of grace? May we do so. So we've looked at what salt does. We've looked at what a salty life might look like. But thirdly and very briefly, finally, there's a question and an important question. You may have picked it up as we were reading. What happens when salt stops being salty? Well, Let me read again from Matthew's passage. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. 
Now, technically, chemically speaking, salt can't lose its saltiness. Pure salt can't lose its saltiness. However, in that culture, the salt that they got from the ground and the Red Sea and all that sort of stuff uh, was mixed with all sorts of impurities and gypsum and stuff like that. And so it did lose its saltiness. The salt that they used would have lost its saltiness. And literally what Jesus is saying is if you lose your saltiness, it's literally the bland leading the bland. What's salt if it's not salty? It's powder. It, it's, it's fairly insignificant. It's just white dust, isn't it? And Jesus says... If we're not distinctive, then we stop being useful. And I think there's some important lessons here about those of us who know we have a tendency to fit in and compromise with our friends or with our workplace or with our society because we think it's an easier way of helping people meet Jesus. Jesus says if we're not distinctive, we are not useful. There's also, I think, a warning here for those of us who are very distinctive and we let everybody know. We speak with salt all the time and forget the grace to the point that people don't see the difference Christ makes. So may I ask you, how distinctive are you? How distinctive am I? How distinctive are we? May we be people this week, tomorrow, on Monday, who leave our workplaces at the end of the day or leave those meetings or leave those conversations or leave that coffee date or whatever it may be. And the people that we've been with say there was something different about them today. May it be so as we point them to Christ. Can I invite you to stand? Please stand. As the band begin to play, what we're going to do is we're going to respond to this. I'm going to invite some of the prayer team, if they're able to go now, to the back. And I would imagine that for all of us, as we were thinking through our day tomorrow, or something we've got going on this week, that there are situations where we want to be distinctive. And as the band play, and in a moment we're going to sing together, I'd love it. I'd love to encourage you to simply go to the back and uh, pray with somebody or have them pray with you. It won't be a long prayer, but just a very simple prayer. Lord, would you help this person to be salt tomorrow, to be distinctive. So even as we stand now, if there's something that you know, a particular appointment or a particular meeting or a particular conversation or, or whatever it is tomorrow or this week that you want to be distinctive in, can I encourage you right now, to begin to head to the back and someone of the prayer team would just love to simply pray with you very short prayer. So can I invite you to do that? If truth, probably many of us can think of things. It's an opportunity, as it were, for, for us to say, God, I'm, I'm serious. I do want to be salty here. So as one or two go back, can I encourage you to, if you'd like that? Or maybe if you, you're with somebody that you know you'd love them to pray with you, just ask them, can you pray for me? Just be honest before God with each other.
So as we pray and as the band then lead us as we sing, there's opportunity for prayer. Do use it. Uh, But let me pray. Father, we are people that want to be distinctive, want to be different, want to point people to you. We want to be people who, who, who preserve the good that we see around us, elevating it, praising it. And Lord, we want to be people who resist the stuff that we know is not good. We want to be people who turn away from it, set our faces in a different direction. We want to be people, Lord, who who stand up against injustice, who stand up for truth. But we do it in a way that, that doesn't say we are great, but that says you are great. And Lord, would we tomorrow, this week, bring that distinctive flavor of Christ that people would see us, have conversations with us and and not see us, but see something of you, Lord. May it be so, Lord. May it be so. So as we sing,